But my name is Carrie. Um, I'm excited to continue our summer stories um, series at New Community. And actually, it, it's probably not quite true because this is way out of my comfort zone. And I am not always like, yay, pick me to speak because that's not my favorite thing to do. And I know that they tell you when you take speech class that you're not supposed to share, share that fear with like your audience. That's like rule number one of public speaking. But I do that for a reason. Um, and you'll see as we go on. So um, many of you know that myself and a team of eight other people boarded a plane for Ethiopia two weeks ago. And I remember growing up in church, I remember when the missionaries would come back to speak. And that was like the most boring Sunday of the whole year, right? With so many stories, nothing pertained to me. Like, I don't know these people. I've never been to China. Like, why does this matter? Like, it was just not a fun Sunday. But now that I have been on trips like this, I understand why I was bored. I think I felt that way because when you have an experience like this and you come back, you just can't relay to people the experience you've had. It's like when you have a meal that's amazing. I don't know if any of you like are foodies, but like we had the last two days we were in Ethiopia, like the most amazing food ever. And I was talking to Justin about all the food and he was like, we're on an international call. Like, can we not talk about the food? Like, I want to know what you did while you were there. But like, I just couldn't ex explain it to him because it was so good. And even if I use like all the adjectives in the world, like it's just not going to do it justice. Like there's just no way to explain it. And so trips like this, I feel like are kind of the same way. Like you can't really understand unless you've been there. So for me, when somebody asks about like, hey, how was your trip? I find it really difficult to, for a lot of reasons to talk about it. Um, and I usually kind of go, hey, it was great. Like, I'm still adjusting and kind of give that kind of answer. Um, and that's just because I can't find the right words to share. So while I will be sharing a few things about our trip this morning and our experience, I really wanted to talk to you all about something I think we can all relate to. And that's something that kind of like over the past few weeks um, has kind of haunted me leading up to this trip. And so that's why I say what I said at the beginning about being fearful about being up here, um, because I just can't get away from the things that I'm afraid of. So they've just kind of been going the whole, the whole time, kind of chasing after me. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you know me, uh, you know that I love to travel. This was actually not my first trip to Africa. I've been three times. Um, Justin and I have had an amazing opportunity to travel to Spain and Mexico and Jamaica and most of the United States, and we've always done it together, which I think is what has made it a lot less scary. Um, when we made plans to go back to Ethiopia last year, um, we realized that the both of us just couldn't do this trip together. And I could not bear the idea of watching a team go without me. Like, that kind of killed me. So we made the decision for me to go and for him to stay. So here's something that you may not know about me. Um, I am a much better follower than a leader. I have a crazy amount of self-doubt. I'm like painfully indecisive, painfully indecisive. I hate making decisions. Like even if it's to eat something, I, I don't know. I don't want, I want to choose the right thing. Um, and I'm not very confident in myself or my abilities. So there were all those fears that were kind of suffocating me and all kinds of insecurities that I had that were like rearing their ugly heads as we were leading up to this trip. 
Not to mention that little thing about getting on a plane and traveling halfway around the world and being on that plane for 17 hours. I, I don't love to fly. I know it's going to be there without my family. But God, in his sense of humor and his kindness and compassion towards me, let me know he was there with me every step of the way. This fear is something that's universal. It's something that like, we all experience. Um, it's something we can all relate to, whether it's something really, really big, like being afraid of getting sick someday, like how is somebody going to take care of my family? What would I do if I lost my job? Um, fear, fear of failure. You know, if you try something and it doesn't work out, like what does that mean? How are people going to view me? Like those are all really big fears. But fear can also be something that's equally as terrifying as waking up at 5.30 in the morning to a monster. I'm not exaggerating. This is not a fishing story. Monster spider hanging out in your sink and your husband is out of town. Like, what am I going to do with that, right? I got to do something. But fear has the power to cripple us, whether it's the big things or the little things. Um, and it can cripple us to the point that we miss out on being part of the story that God's created for us. So if you heard the news yesterday, um, there was a bombing, a grenade that was thrown at a rally in Addis. And the last two years that we've done this trip, we should have been leaving today. So I think that God kind of had his hand on that. We didn't get our normal dates. So um, there was a rally, and the last I heard, three people were killed and 164 were injured. And the rally was intended to be peaceful. I had gotten a notification on my phone because I'm still part of that. Where it's like, hey, by the way, this is happening in the city. You know, try to avoid it. Don't get involved. If you see anything, you know, go to the U.S. Embassy. No big deal. Like, those things happen all the time. It's really not a big deal. So I hit delete because I'm not going to Ethiopia. And we move along. And then I get a call from Justin because I don't listen to the news um, saying what had happened. And it turned out that this time the warning was a, a for real warning. Like, it was a, it was a deadly um, activity, I guess. Um, but the thing is that I've never, ever, ever felt unsafe being in Ethiopia. Whether we are, you know, just like walking the roads to go to visit somebody at their home or hanging out in the care point or even just when we go at the end to walk around Addis and do our shopping and kind of our touristy thing, like I've never felt unsafe. Um, but obviously, like yesterday shows, there's just no guarantee. And bad things can happen anywhere. You don't have to travel to experience something bad or too scary. Um, and you need to be wise in all of that, using that information. But really, we can't let our fear cripple us and keep us from doing those things. We can't let all of those what-ifs that swirl around, like what if something bad happens, what if this, you know, all of those what-ifs, we can't let that take control of us and miss out on what God has for us. So the question is, what do we do when all of those fears and lies like whisper in our ears? And that was the question that I was wrestling with going to Ethiopia without Justin. But oddly enough, in the last few weeks, um, God spoke to me um, through Instagram. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't really know if I should be embarrassed about that or if, like, I should just laugh because he's really funny like that and has a really funny sense of humor. But, like, he totally spoke through me to me through Instagram. And as I was scrolling through my posts, like you do, you know, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to say here today, um, a friend of mine had posted, let your fear, no, I'm sorry, let me say it the right way, let your faith be greater than your fear. 
And that, th- that phrase has really stuck with me over the last few days. Let your faith be greater than your fear. So I really wanted to look into some scripture um, that helps me, helps us, realize how our faith can be bigger than our fear. Because Justin told me that I should probably read the Bible instead of scroll Instagram and, and talk to God. So we're going to look at scripture and see what he really says. Um, but before I share, I do want to do a little bit of backstory, right? So we're going to talk about Israel for a little bit. And um, if you didn't know, Israel faced like all this opposition, right? From the beginning, they were slaves, they had come out of the wilderness, like all kinds of fear that would happen if you were in that situation, they were, they were feeling, right? Like, is our enemy going to kill us? Are we going to be tortured? Like, are we going to starve to death? And where's God in all this? Like, why is he letting this happen to us? And then you have Moses, who is a leader, right? It's somebody that the Bible talks, like, highly about, Right? And he's supposed to lead these people. God's called him to lead these people like out of the wilderness and, and to safety. And God appears to Moses in a burning bush, which I, I'm liking, like thinking that that's his version of Instagram, right? It's just like way cooler. I didn't get a burning bush. I just got like my addiction of scrolling. I don't know. And in uh, Exodus 3.7, um, the Lord says, I have seen the misery the misery." of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And then verse 9 says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So go now. I am sending you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go? And God said, I will be with you. So even with that, like a burning bush, God is talking to you. Like you can't get more real than that, right? And Moses still has questions. Like he's still surrounded with all of these what ifs. They all rear their ugly heads. Like, hey, what if somebody asks who sent me? Like I'm going to be that crazy person that was like, God spoke to me in a burning bush or Instagram or whatever. Like they're going to think I'm crazy, right? Um, What if they don't believe me? Like, what if they don't listen to me? And like I say, I'm not a good communicator. Like, how am I supposed to talk to these people? There's so much fear happening in this story, like in the Israelites' life and in in Moses' life. And God was challenging a whole nation to show them who they are and to tell them not to be afraid. And then if you flip through, if you have like a real book and you flip through or you scroll down, whatever, If you go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verses 8 through 10, this is like my favorite part of the whole thing. Like, I love that I can relate to Moses because he's a fearful person, and so am I. But then you've got God saying, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners I called you. I said, You are my servant. I have chosen you, and I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So again, let your faith be bigger than your fear. And in kind of reading through that, I came up with three reasons why I think our faith should be bigger than our fear. Number one is that God created you, right? 
Um, Psalm 139:13 says, "For you created my inmost being; you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful; I know that full well." And if you look at around outside, see the moon, see the stars, all that stuff, and you're like, "Man, this is amazing." then you also need to think that you are amazing too because God created all of that and he created you as well. He knows you inside and out, right? He knows your imperfections and the cool thing is that he wants to use you anyway. Like he knows all of that and he still wants to use you. But fear is the thing that tells us like our imperfections are too great and we can't serve God in the midst of those. I mean, you guys all know those lies that you hear, right? Like, I can't lead a Bible study. I don't know enough Bible. Like, that's not, I'm not Justin, right? Like, or mine, like, I can't speak in front of big people. Like, little people are okay, but, like, big people are really scary, and, and like, they're going to judge me, and I don't know anything about the Bible, and maybe somebody else does. Like, you know all of those things that get whispered in our, in our ears. But the thing is that God has never expected us to be perfect, right, before we can serve him. I know, like, even one of our team members had said to Justin before we left, she said, like, I don't know what I'm doing. My life is a mess. Um, I can't go on, like, how am I going to go on this trip and serve people? Like, I can't get it together here at home. But the truth is that God's going to use us in spite of our mess, right? He's not going to leave us there. He's going to pull us out of that. And it may be scary. It may be difficult. It may be, like, you may be full of fear. But because he created you, He knows that you are capable even when you are full of fear and doubt. Second thing, God chose you. So I just want you to think about that for a second. Like, he chose you. You can take all that DNA stuff that I don't know anything about, and it goes all together in a circle and swirls around, and then you come out you. Like, science aside, like, God could have said, all this scientific stuff works, but I'm going to really make it this person. Like, really, he could have done that, but he didn't. Like, he made you, and he planned that, like, way, 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 way down from, like, way back in the beginning for you to be you and for you to be here in this moment now. So I think about that, and I really think, like, for me, that's probably the hardest thing for me to grasp, that, like, God chose me. And I think... I feel that way because, right, like I was that kid in elementary school who like stood on the sidelines during dodgeball. I hate dodgeball. Why do you make me play this stupid game? And now somebody has to choose me for their team and I'm not very good at it. And like everybody gets chosen and everybody gets chosen and then I'm just standing here. Nobody wants me on their team. So I finally go on the team like as a mercy player, I guess. I don't know. And then I, like, fake, you know, fake getting hit so I can go sit down and hang out with my friends. Like, nobody's choosing me. Like, so why would God choose me, right? Or even, like, the bigger picture, like, you get to middle school and high school, and, like, man, I would have loved to run for student council. Like, to be the president or the secretary, not the treasurer, because nobody wants me to do their math. But, like, to run for student, student council, but, like, that means that I have to run for something, and then they have to choose me, and if I don't get chosen, then I'm going to feel really bad, and what are other people going to think? Like, that whole concept of chosen, like, my fear outweighs all of that. So I hope that you guys understand, like, and this is sounding familiar, and that I'm not the only crazy person, like, ranting on their, like, confessions or therapy 
you know, session or whatever, but hopefully you guys all understand what that's like. Um, but the thing is, like, how many of us in this room have a job, right? Like, we all have a job or maybe be in job transition. Like, most of us maybe went to college or technical school or, like, Fred Aberly or something. And while I don't want to take away from the fact that you worked really hard to, to get that job or to go to that school, I also want to say that, like, the person who hired you or brought you into school wasn't obligated to pick you, right? Like, through the interview process, they obviously saw something in you that they were like, this person is going to represent us well. Like, this person's going to represent our school well. This person's going to do their job well. Like, they may not be perfect at it, but I see room for them to grow and to get better. Like, that's the person I want. So in some ways, like, even though you worked hard, you were still chosen. So I think that that's really cool because, like, it's not about our works. Like, somebody sees potential in you just like God sees potential in you. So with our trip to Ethiopia, we um, went through an organization called Children's Hope Chest. And many of you in this room probably sponsor a child um, through Children's Hope Chest. And I would imagine that like, when we were doing our big sponsorship push, and all of our kids are sponsored, so it was really cool to go back and, and know that, like know that they were all being taken care of. When you went back to like, pick that envelope up or pick the picture up, like you just chose them, right? Um, you didn't go back there and be like, hmm, which one of these kids is going to love me more? Which one of these kids do I think like, works hardest? Like, just your love in your heart caused you to choose them, right? Um, you had a child who had nothing, and now you've given them something that they never had before, right? Because you've provided an education, and you've provided health care, and all that kind of stuff. And you did that not because they deserved it, right? Not because they earned it, or because of anything that they did. You just did it because you chose to love them. And I think God sees us. I know that God sees us the same way. Like, he just chooses us, right? So we shouldn't have anything to fear. So last year on the trip, um, there was a girl named Yaris. And um, she's a really, really sweet girl, older girl, but she was always in need of attention, right? And I teach, so I, I see those children in my classroom and, and throughout the school, like, you know, the ones that just will do anything, like, notice me, love me, like, whatever, you, whatever they can do to get your attention. And she was like that. Like, she's very grabby with our team members and always pulling you and wanting to, like, hog you for herself. And sometimes in her grabbiness, it would hurt like, she, she was pulling on you and stuff. And it could be very frustrating. Like, I hate saying that, but it can be very frustrating. So this year we went back, and she really connected with Stephanie. And let me tell you guys, like, Stephanie was so amazing with her. Um, she was patient. She was kind. And, like, just watching her interact with Yaris, I just felt like, like that's, that's what being Jesus is. Like, that, that's it. Like, just loving her in spite of all of her imperfections and her cries for attention. So we, they spent much of that week together, and at one point in the week, Yara shared her story with the team, and then she later wrote it down um, for Stephanie so that she could have it, and one of the guys at the CarePoint translated it for her so she, she knew what was being said. And so after hearing her story, like, we all realized that's why she was the way she was. Like, you know, like, you can find something that's really frustrating and you don't really understand why, and then after you see why, it's like, oh, I get it now, right? Like, I understand. So Stephanie uh, let me 
gave me permission to share the letter with you. And I got a little choked up the last time I read this, so I will try not to do it this time because I really don't like crying in front of people either. Um, so this is how it goes. <laughs> it says, letter to my friend. First of all, I would like to thank you. My name is Yaris, and I am in grade five. My school name is number three. My mom has passed away, and I don't know when she died. We were both young. I see you as my mother, Stephanie. I, my dad passed away when I was two. After that, I lived with my grandma and grandpa. When I was 11, my grandpa passed away. After that, my grandma is not peaceful. She is crazy because she drinks too much. So my grandma has no contact with me. She didn't want me at home anymore. Now I'm not with my grandma. I live with someone else, my neighbors. If they stop letting me live with them, I'm scared because I don't know where I will live. I'm very happy by your support of my education and food. Because of that, I get to attend school. I love you more. Bye-bye. Bless you. So, whew, I share that letter with you, yes, to tell you a story about a girl at our care point, but also to let you know that even in Yaris's need, even in her imperfection and frustration, frustrating cries for love and attention, that Stephanie still chose to spend time with her. Stephanie chose to love her really even before she knew why that need for attention was, was there. And the thing is, guys, that God knows our why. Like, he's always known our why. Like, there's never been a point in your life where, like, all this stuff happened, and then God's like, oh, that's why you're that way. Like, I get it now. Like, come on, I'll love you. Like, I'll give you the attention you need. You don't have anybody else. Like, God's never done that. Like, he chooses, he's chose to love us from the beginning, and he continues uh, to choose us and um, wants us to do his work, even in spite of our own fear and our own self-doubt and um, whether or not we deserve to serve him or not. Um, he chose us. He sees our potential. Um, so I just want that knowledge and that voice to kind of outweigh, like, the fear that may be holding you back from something. So third and final, that God has called you. And if you call yourself a Christ follower, then guess what? <laughs> You're called to serve others. Like, like it or not. Like, that's just what our calling is. And I'm not saying that that means that you need to get on a plane and, like, fly to Africa. Like, I wish deep down in the, like, pits of my soul that, like, I could put all of you on a plane and take you over there so that you could experience that. Like, it is life-changing. But I'm a realist, and I know that that's not for everyone. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't need to be for everyone. Um, God's called you to serve him in your everyday life, right? So how are you doing that? Um, the day we left for uh, D.C., um, I dropped Justin and the girls off with his mom at Kroger. They were headed to Canaan so Justin could go speak. And he, in his kindness, ripped that Band-Aid off really fast and said goodbye and, like, got in the car and left. And we did have our tearful goodbye, but he just... Like, let's just get it over with. Like, we don't need to drag this thing on, right? So I headed home and was finishing getting ready, and I sent Justin a text telling him that I was thinking that maybe when I had to speak at church, if he still really wanted me to do this thing, that I was probably going to talk about fear and, and you know, just felt like God was kind of pursuing me with that and telling me that it was going to be okay, and I didn't have anything to fear. And so I hit send, and immediately, guess what? I get on Instagram again. I know, I know. Judge, judge, judge. Go ahead. It's okay. And, but the very first thing that pops up on my feed is 
something that a friend of mine in North Carolina had posted, and it said, you'll face overwhelming odds, you'll be incredibly outnumbered, fear would be your natural inc inclination, but keep in mind, God is with you. And like, I just sobbed. Like, I was just like, okay, you're with me, I get it, it's going to be fine. And like, honestly, I have a few other stories that are kind of crazy stories that if you want to hear this crazy woman talk anymore, like, I would be honored to share them with you, but we just don't have time in the time that I've carved down. It doesn't necessarily fit, but I would be happy to share any stories. So, but the thing is that sometimes being scared or being called is scary. Sometimes we're called to do the things that we don't want to do. We are called to do things that are difficult and that are, require more trust in God than we think that we could possibly have. But my prayer for you is that if that's the case and you feel that, that you would please take the leap. Like, take the leap. It's scary. But I know that if you trust God in that, like, he's going to blow your mind in ways that you just can't comprehend, right? I have no idea what God is telling you or calling you to outside of your everyday calling to serve him. And maybe it is to go to Africa. Like, maybe it's, like, something that you've really wanted to do, but some, a lot of fear has been holding you back for so many reasons. Like, I understand and maybe it's joining a community group and just getting to know a group of smaller people, like a smaller group of people within our own church. And I don't think that like going to Africa, if you're afraid, is like scarier, more scary, whatever, than like joining a community group. Like those can be equally terrifying things, right? And it could be as crazy as like fostering or adopting a child, like. Guys, I can't even tell you the amount of fear that I have about that. Like, that's like a whole other topic of discussion because that is, like, whew, so fear-inducing. But I do know that when God has called you to do something big, and even if he's called you to do something smaller, he's not going to let you fall, right? Likewise, he's with you when you serve him, like, in your everyday life. Like, he's going to always be there, we're not going to be able to kill fear. Like, it's not something I think that's ever going to go away permanently, like, on earth now. It's going to always, like, be in the back of our head nagging. But I do believe we can overcome it by trusting that God has chosen us, like, he's created us, and he's called us to do his work. And that's how our faith becomes bigger than our fear. So while I was processing all of this stuff to say to you guys, um, the image of diamonds kept coming up in my head, which, I don't know, I have, my, I have all kinds of crazy thoughts, but diamonds popped up in my head, and I was thinking about a diamond, and it's like not just like you go to the store and it's automatically beautiful and perfect and expensive, like it doesn't just happen that way, right? Like it's a process for it to get there. And I'm going to be honest and say I Googled the process because I wasn't really sure and I didn't really remember a whole lot from my geology class in college because it was so boring. But, but what I found about diamonds, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, is that it starts like way deep down in the like pits of earth, right? And it starts as carbon. And then because it's hot down there, it's heated to like 2,200 degrees. So you have all this heat that's happening. And then you have all this pressure, like it's 725,000 pounds per square inch of pressure, and then it rushes to the surface of the earth to cool. And I think it's a good analogy because sometimes I think facing our fears can feel like that process, right? 
You can feel, feel buried in your fear. Um, if you're like me, the pressure of not knowing what to decide is like, can be suffocating, right? Because I'm indecisive. Um, your head kind of spins. But the thing is, like, something happens when you begin to trust God. All that fear can kind of melt away. Like, in the trusting process, like, God may rough up some of, like, rough away, chip away some of those, like, rough edges, and it might hurt, and it's going to be scary. But in the end, I think we then become transformed into, like, this precious and beautiful diamond, like, a better version of ourselves, right? Um, that we may never have known existed, but if we let our faith be bigger than our fear, then we can discover that. So I have a very favorite song that I think is perfect to illustrate this even further, and Beck and Josh are going to come up and share that with you guys. Um, the words are going to be up here, so just watch, listen, like take it all in, and then I have a quick ending. So... <laughs> So, last thing I want to say, guys. So here's the reality, right? We are always going to have two voices speaking to us. The voice of fear and the voice of truth. So the question is, which voice are you going to listen to? And I struggle with this. I have a lot of struggles, right? I think I've said that, like, all morning. Like, I struggle with this, too. Because I know myself. Like, I know who I am. And sometimes I can't tell the difference between the lies that fear tell me and the truth of who I am. Like, it's just really foggy and messy and it's hard. But the truth is, like, I'm an outgoing person. I love people. I love learning people's stories. I talk a lot, but like, that's just who I am. Like, it's who God has made me to be. But the lies that whisper in my head say like I talk too much like way too much right I probably annoy people with the amount of talking that I do and they're probably exhausted by the time they like deal with me because they're just so tired of all the talking but if we continually remember that we've been created we've been chosen and we've been called my prayer is that our faith will be greater than our fears and that those voices can be squashed right we don't want that fear to cripple us we need to hear God's voice the loudest because he wants to see our, he sees our potential. Like he knows who we are. And he wants to use that potential to do awesome things and turn us into diamonds, I think, ultimately. So I didn't pray last time. Do you want me to or do you want me to? Oh, okay. It's like scarier than talking. Okay, let's pray, guys.